Welcome to the Rockbrook Church Podcast. Our hope is that today's message brings you hope and clarity for your spiritual journey. We love hearing how God is working in your life. Feel free to share any stories of how this message gave you a new perspective and hope. Email us at church at rockbrook.org to tell your story. Well, I hope you've enjoyed this series of where we've been learning about God, and I hope it's been giving you peace and comfort and challenging you in new ways. Uh, this is the last week of this series. Next week, we're going to begin a new series on Easter weekend. We're going to launch a series called Eternal Realities. And maybe the reality that we are living in is consuming your thoughts these days, but the reality is... This life, this world is temporary. There is an eternal reality, uh, and we'll learn how to think of things of heaven, not just of earth. And if you're looking for just a simple message of good news and hope and clarity, maybe for yourself or maybe to uh, gift someone uh, with, give it to your neighbor or a coworker or a family member or someone. Uh, next Easter's message, so the next weekend on Easter weekend, uh, that is that message for sure. It's going to have hope, clarity, purpose, the gospel. Uh, really looking forward to it. Uh, many of you, Rockbrook, are asking how you can help during these days, and I just love that so much about Rockbrook Church. Uh, of course, we're upping and redirecting uh, funds given to uh, Rockbrook to meet needs in our community. Uh, we've got a couple things coming up. One of them is we're going to partner with Heart and Hand uh, to do a food drive in our community uh, next weekend sometime. And then in two weeks, uh, we're going to host a blood drive at Rockbrook Church. And I'd love for you to participate if uh, you are able, if you're comfortable in doing that. Now, I don't have the times and all the nuts and bolts need uh, details nailed down at the time I'm recording this on those two things. Uh, but of course, we'll get those to you because we want you to be a part of it. So uh, just look into Rockbrook News when that hits your inbox or check back on social media or the website. And we'll do our best to make sure that all that information is available to you. Uh, today is the final week of this series, Getting to Know God. We've been getting to know his omniscience, his omnipresence, his omnipotence, his immutability. And just how about that? How about now knowing what those words mean? How amazing is it to know and trust and believe in a God who knows everything? He's everywhere. He's almighty and he's unchanging. Come on. Now this week we're going to look at and treasure another character quality about God, uh, which is God's sovereignty. And this character quality comes this week because really it's a result of all the other character qualities. God is sovereign because he's omnipresent, he's immutable, uh, he's omnipotent, he's omnipresent. And this, this character quality is really just a natural consequence of, or result of those other character qualities. I'll show it to you here in 1 Chronicles 29. It says, Yours, Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the majesty and the splendor for everything in heaven and earth is yours. Yours, Lord, is the kingdom. You are exalted. And I love this, as head over 
all. He is over all. And that's what sovereignty simply means. If you're taking notes, sovereignty means that God is in control. He's over it all. He's in control of it all. He's in control of everything because he created everything. So you and I have never created anything. Anything that mankind makes is really put together from the resources that God gave us. And God has the ultimate say and final word over everything, uh, over these things. He created nature, so he's head over nature. He's in control of nature. When he wants to overrule nature and do a miracle, uh, he does it. It's his prerogative. Uh, God is over history. And uh, the Bible's clear that history is moving toward a climax a fulfilling moment where there's a plan and a purpose that everything is moving toward. And then God is over our lives. He's in control of our lives. Some of you didn't know that. It's amazing that you're not in control. Now, you know that you're not in control really deep down, but you might not always live like it. But again, deep down, you know that you didn't control uh, when and where you were born. In Acts 17, it says God maps that out. God uh, decided that. Um, You know that uh, you don't get to decide how long you will live, that God has ordained your days, and he's already already decided uh, your lifespan, and then you didn't decide uh, what natural talents you would have, that there's some things you're gifted at, some things that you're not. The Bible says that God decided already which natural abilities and gifts you were going to have. So you don't deserve them, you don't earn them, they're God-given abilities. And God gave them to you in his sovereignty. Now, before we get into our Selah moment where we've been taking a pause just to kind of breathe this in and appreciate God for who he is, I want to address just a couple of things uh, before, before we go into worship. And stick with me here as we process some of this, that The fact that God is sovereign essentially means that he has the power, uh, the wisdom, the authority to do anything that he chooses. Now, whether or not he actually uses that control in any given circumstance, that's a completely different question. I say this because often the concept of divine sovereignty is oversimplified. We tend to assume that if God is not directly, overtly, purposefully driving some event, then somehow he's not sovereign. Uh, But really, that's a cartoon version of God's sovereignty. uh, Depicting a God who must do anything that he can do, or else he's not truly sovereign. But God, God doesn't operate that way all of the time. No one operates that way all of the time. So think of the little world you're in and the things that you have some control over in your little world. Do you always exert your full measure of control? No. Sometimes you let a child run with a decision that you wanted them to make differently. And sometimes you let an employee run with an idea that that you don't love. Sometimes as a project manager, you pull back the reins. Sometimes you loosen them up. It's the same with God. God is in control of his control. 
And sometimes he uses it in, his, in its full measure and sometimes he does not. The other thing I wanted to address is that God is not the only one with power and authority in our world right now. Satan has some power and some authority in the current world system as it exists. Satan rebelled, he was cast down to earth, and he's powerful. And the Bible calls him the God, the little g God of this age, or another place it calls him the prince of this world, meaning that he has some dominion uh, through tempting people and uh, commanding his demons, but he's in no way equal to God and he's under the sovereign, sovereign control of God. Now, God has not revealed all the whys and all the whens concerning Satan's rule. God only allows him here for a short period of time uh, so that God can produce a group, of, a race of tested individuals, and then Satan will be destroyed. But God has made it clear that there's only one way to escape the power of Satan's dominion, and that is through his son, God's son, Jesus Christ. Colossians 1, 13 through 14 says, For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us in to the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Now, obviously, the enemy knew this plan for Jesus, God's son, to come to earth, to live the perfect life we could never live, uh, to die it, uh, our death on the cross, except he's a perfect sacrifice to pay for our sin once and for all. And he knew the plan to rise from the dead and extinguish death and conquer the grave. And Satan used all of his power to stop Jesus Christ. Uh, he tempted Jesus so that Jesus could not be uh, a perfect sinless offering. It didn't work. Uh, the prince of this world tried to thwart God's plan uh, but Satan's demons would tremble at the presence of Jesus because, come on, there is only one king, and that's King Jesus, not Prince Jesus, King Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the name above every other name. That's why Jesus, speaking, before he goes to the cross, he declares victory, and he says this, now is the time for judgment on this world. Now the prince of this world will be driven out. And Jesus had the last word when he spoke, it is finished on the cross. And Jesus has the last word in your life. And now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when the enemy comes and when he comes to you and he lies to you about who you are, you can remind him that there is one who is completely, eternally sovereign. And my heart is set on him and my mind is stayed on him. And through the power of his name, my hope can never be shaken.
So there are some big questions that come with the sovereignty of God. You know, if God is in control of everything, do I even have a free choice? Do I have any say in the matter over my life? Is there really any freedom? And the answer to that, do I have any free choice, is yes, we do, uh, but it is limited. So there are boundaries, there are parameters of which you cannot go beyond. You do not have total freedom. Because you are a human being, you have freedom of choice, but it's limited. It's like if you were to play a chess game with God, uh, you would have the freedom to choose what pieces to move and what moves to make. Uh, but at the end of the day, because God knows a lot more than you do, there really wouldn't be any question of what the final outcome would be. Uh, it's also kind of like if you were to get on an ocean liner uh, to cross the ocean, while you're on that trip, uh, you could have many choices that you're free to make. You could go to the first deck, second deck, third deck. Uh, you could watch movies. You could sleep, eat food, play shuffleboard, swim. Uh, you could make a lot of choices. You could do many different things, lots of freedom on the boat. But really, at the end of the day, there's nothing that, no choice that you're going to make that's going to alter the ultimate destination of that ocean liner. And the Bible says that God gives us the freedom to choose the way we want to live, the way we want to act. Um, but once we make those choices, we're not completely free. We're certainly not free of the consequences. We face consequences for the choices we make. God set up a cause and effect universe, and we reap what we sow. And God says, if you do certain things, uh, then certain other things are going to happen as a result because God is in control. So I want us to take this fact uh, of God's sovereignty and talk about three practical ways that this could actually apply to our life. Like, what is my, how is my life going to look different now that I trust in God's sovereignty? Write this in. Number one, because God is in control, my plans have a limit. There's a limitation. Our plans are tentative. You've heard the phrase, the sky's the limit. But the fact is the sky isn't the limit. God is the limit. In Proverbs 19.21, it says, Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so we need to be tentative in our plans. We need to be flexible in our plans. Have you learned this lesson in life yet? Let, let me give you a wrong attitude and a right attitude to have in life knowing that God is sovereign. Uh, a wrong attitude is one of presumption, where I just presume upon things, where I say, I don't need God. Uh, I can figure this all out. I can map out my schedule, my timeline, my goals. I don't have to pray about it. Um, I don't have to consult with God about it. I don't have to look into his word. And I just assume, assume and presume that everything is going to be the way that God intended it to go. That's presumption. And the Bible says that since life is uncertain, we should not presume on it. So in James 4, James writes it this way. Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go to this or that city We'll spend a year there, carry on business, and make money. Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while 
and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or do that. We base it on the Lord's will. The Bible in other places, it encourages us to make plans and to set goals as long as we understand that they're tentative. You know, a mature person is, is bendable to God's plan. Mature people of faith hold their plan. They make their plan, but they hold it with an open hand before God. So what's the right attitude? The right attitude is this. It's cooperation. You know, people used to write at the end of letters that they would write, the initials D-V. It stands for Deo Valente, which means God willing. So it would sound like this. I'm going to come see you. God willing, Lord willing, that I realize ultimately my plans could be changed at any moment. And that's a good attitude to have as we live and walk in God's sovereignty. Proverbs 16.9 just explains cooperation with God's plan this way. We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. That's cooperation. Make the plans, but let God direct you and, and, and lead you. So since God is in control, my plans have a limit. Well, what about my problems? Number two, because God is in control, my problems, praise God, they have a purpose. Life is not a series of random events that have no meaning. Now, I am not saying that everything that happens in your life is God's will. Uh, It's not. There are many things that happen in life that are not God's will. Sin is not God's will. Someone gets cancer. Someone gets sick. People say, well, it must be God's will. Who said? Who said that? Someone in an accident and dies must be God's will. God never said that. This is why we are to pray. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because God's will is not always done on earth right now. So I'm not saying that everything in God's everything is God's will or that he causes everything he does not. He does not cause sin. Uh, He doesn't even cause all your problems. Uh, The fact is he doesn't have to. We bring enough problems on ourselves, and other people bring problems and trials on you in your life. He doesn't have to cause problems in your life for us to still grow from them and learn from them and become like Christ. I want to just read to you a chunk of scripture here from 1 Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Don't miss this today. I think this is important for our church this weekend. It says, All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again, because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation. And we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled, beyond the reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive this salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead even though you must endure many trials for a little while. These trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested, 
as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than mere gold. So when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. So you love him even though you have never seen him. Though you do not see him now, you trust him and you rejoice with a glorious, inexpressible joy. The reward for trusting him will be the salvation of your souls. You know, it's amazing just as we're a few weeks into this season of life and COVID-19 and all these things to to read this this verse in in the light of so many things that we might be dealing with in life. Some of us facing problems in this situation and the reality is we had all kinds of problems in our lives going into this season. And this passage teaches us that if we trust God, if we hang on, if we are patient, we endure, we, we love him, even though we have never seen him, there is a reward waiting for us. Will you be patient? Will you endure for this reward? Will you keep trusting in Jesus Christ, even in the dark? What I'm saying is this, God is so good, so powerful, wise, and amazing that he is transforming what was meant for evil into something positive to conform your character to Christ. God allows it. He permits the problems and then he uses them for a greater purpose. God is a pro at turning bad things into good things. He's an expert at taking problems and bringing a greater purpose out of them. You know, I just think through so many things that God God absolutely could have kept Paul out of prison at Philippi, but he let him go to prison. He allowed it. As a result, a jailer uh, became a Christian. God, of course, I mean, the most amazing one is God could have kept Jesus from going to the cross. They're not being a crucifixion, but he allowed the crucifixion so he could do a resurrection. God allows problems into our life. He doesn't have to cause them. The reality is we cause them. We bring them on ourselves and other people cause them. Don't blame God for all the evil in the world. God is redeeming, redeeming us. But let's go to a couple of, of examples. You know, we look at Job and if you lost everything the way Job did, how would you respond? This was his response in Job 121. The Lord gave and the Lord has taken away. May the name of the Lord be praised. Job says, everything I had came from God anyway. He gave it to me and he can allow it to be taken away. He can take it away himself if he wants. It's his right. Joseph is an amazing example of this, of how you handle it when people hurt you intentionally. Joseph, not Jesus' dad, but Joseph in the Old Testament. Joseph was his father's favorite son and all of his brothers got very, very jealous. They decided to sell their brother Joseph into slavery uh, they told their father that he'd been killed by a beast and uh, he goes into slavery. He's taken to Egypt. Uh, he's sold as a slave in a man's house. Uh, the man's wife tries to seduce Joseph and he won't give in. So he's accused of rape. He's put in prison. He spends years in, prisons, in prison just dwindling away. I'm sure he was saying, where is God in all of this? How do I deserve this? Why is this happening to me? If I were Joseph, I would be saying, why God? 
but he was exactly where God wanted, wanted him to be. God was in control and God was working through the circumstances and the situations. He didn't cause it, but he allowed the brothers to sell him into slavery. Later on, Joseph rose to a position of prominence in Egypt and there was a great famine. Because of his wisdom, both Egypt and Israel were saved and later he came face to face with the very brothers who intentionally tried to hurt him. And he said this, one of the greatest verses in all of scripture, Joseph's response, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What is the key to my response then? That's Job's response, Joseph's response. We could look at many more. What's the key to my response? Write this in. The key is to look past the pain and find God's purpose. God, find God's purpose behind the pain. And some things in life we're never going to know this side of heaven. Why people die at a certain time, I don't know. We, we all die eventually. Why now? I don't know, but God has a plan and God is good. He is in control. Look past the pain. In 2 Corinthians, God says that the temporary problems you are going through right now they, they are a mirror compared to what we're going to be given on the other side for how we handle them. Paul says we don't look at the temporary problems we are going through. We keep our eyes on the eternal things, the things that really count, the things that matter. You can see why I want us to do a series on eternal realities, to look past the pain that our problems have a purpose and your plans They have a limit. What about our prayers? That's number three, because God is in control. My prayers, they they actually have an impact. They make a difference. They're worthwhile. It's not a waste of time to pray. I wonder if you've ever prayed and just felt like you were blowing off steam, that is anybody even really hearing this? And, And the devil seems like he just whispers in your ear, what a waste. Who do you think you're kidding? What, what are you doing wasting time praying? The Bible says because God is in control, our prayers have an impact. That prayer works. It matters. It, it makes a difference. It changes things. Because God is in control every, of everything. He has the power to answer our prayers. If God were not sovereign, then yes, prayer would be a waste of time. I mean, who wants to pray to a wimp? Who wants to pray to a God who can't do anything about it? But because God is sovereign, when we pray, it makes an impact. That is the basis of every miracle, that God is in charge, and therefore he can influence things, and he can change things. Ephesians 3.20 says, God is able to do far more that we could ever dare to ask or even dream of, infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, or hopes. The point is, prayer can do whatever God can do. Why don't we take more advantage of it then? I mean, over 20 times in the New Testament, the Bible asks, the Bible says, ask, seek, knock, God says, I want you to ask. He says, I'm in charge. I'm in control. Earlier this year, Pastor Kelly did an amazing message on why must I keep praying persistently? And if you're struggling with that question, maybe you want to revisit that message this week. 
But the New Testament invites us to to ask and let God show us great and mighty things that we do not know. Prayer has an impact. It's encouraging to me that the things that are beyond my control are not beyond God's control. There's nothing beyond God's control. This, This means that in my present situation that I don't have any control over, the job that I can't control, the, the decisions that are handed down uh, through the hierarchy of government or the place we work or wherever, that maybe we feel like a pawn, maybe we feel like things are completely out of control. They're not out of God's control. This is the power of prayer. And some of you are thinking, well, since God can control anything and he can do anything and he's asked me to pray about it, why don't I always get what I ask for? Two reasons. One is that God is not only interested in just doing whatever you ask him to do. That would make him a genie, that he just fulfills all of your requests. Do you realize what an absolute mess our world would be in if God answered every single one of our prayers? I mean, prayer would become a weapon. It would ruin everyone. If God answered every prayer, it would ruin us. Because we don't know how to handle that kind of power. Another reason is because oftentimes we pray competing prayers. That Christians pray in conflict. One Christian asks for one thing, another Christian asks for another. Because we don't have total knowledge, we often pray by mistake. We don't pray the right things. We pray with a limited view. And the bottom line of why God doesn't answer all requests is because he's good. And because he knows what's best. And he's going to do what's best regardless of what we pray. So he's not a machine that just doles out what we ask for. He's good. You say, but I don't understand how the situation I'm in could be the best thing. I don't either. And I'm not God and neither are you. But we need to be able to say the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Bible says in 1 John 5 that when we pray according to God's will, then the answer will come. And you pray and you say, uh, when God says, that's exactly in line what I wanted to do, he grants the request. This is the attitude of cooperation, of saying, Lord, your will be done. Like Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, he says, Lord, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will, God, be done. And at the end of the day, that's our want, that's our desire, is that God's will will be done. All right, I don't think there's any attribute uh, that is more comforting to the Christian than the attribute of God's sovereignty, that he's in control. Does it take trust? Yes. Does it take faith? Yes. But is there peace there? Absolutely. Because God is sovereign He has the rights to call the the shots in your life. You wouldn't even be alive if it weren't for God. He has the right to call those shots. And if you're not letting him do that, if you're not cooperating with him, God says you're living in rebellion of him and that's why life is frustrating. And the reality is the best decision we could ever do is say, God, you are sovereign. You know everything you're almighty, you're all-powerful, you're unchanging, and I want to cooperate with all of it. 
God, I want to get on board with your glory and your plan and your will. And I recognize that you have the right to call the shots in my life and be God. And you will find so much fulfillment, so much meaning, so much purpose, so much satisfaction cooperating with God's plan rather than fighting against it. And I invite you to do that today, to let God be God. Let's pray. Well, God is in control of whether you want to admit it or not, whether you think that's fair or not. Uh, he decided so much about your life and uh, he shows us the way to fulfillment and joy and purpose and meaning. I just invite you to pray some statements uh, today to God. Say, God, I admit that a lot of plans I've made, I never consulted you and I know that's probably why I've had a lot of problems in my life. I was presuming rather than cooperating. And I want to start planning on my life, counting on you to direct me. I, I want to be a Jesus follower and realize that the problems in my life have a purpose and that I can follow you. Just say to God, God, help me to look past the pain and see your purpose and what it is you want to teach me. Maybe you want me to trust you more. Maybe you were just trying to get my attention. God, I don't know what it is, but I want to follow you. Some of you need to say, Lord, I want to become a praying person through all of this, through this season in my life that you've given us this resource of prayer and prayer can do what God can do. And I hardly even use it. And I want to commit myself to becoming a person of prayer daily, regularly. And would you now just, just relax into the sovereignty of God? If you've never totally opened up your life to Jesus Christ, would you do that today? Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. Help me to see why I'm, why I'm on earth. and I want you to call the shots and direct me. I want to find the purpose for which you've made me. I ask you to save me. I ask you to forgive me. And I commit myself to you. Father, thank you that you are in charge. What a comfort that is. We look at the world and it's troubling to see chaos, yet there is a grand design above it all. God, help us to trust you more. It's in his name I pray. Amen. Thanks for joining us today. We would love for you to get connected to what's going on at Rockbrook Church. Visit us online at rockbrook.org for service times, small group information, and other ways you can discover your purpose here on earth.